I say this a lot, and I know that, but I try to maybe comfort the parents, grandparents, or whoever it may be a little bit. Uh, I promise the kids do not bother me that much. Uh, like I said, I, I'd be lying if I said I know they were under distraction a little bit, and so would you. But uh, I would so much rather have them here in church. Uh, let them let them come and make noise. It's it's okay. Um, it doesn't bother me. I'm kind of torn here on between two messages, and I'm <laughs> I don't know which one to go with for sure. Um, I've been trying to finish. Colossians chapter 3 that I preached a few weeks ago you know, on the home somewhat and I never got past the wives and husbands and I wanted to get to the children because uh, they need to obey their parents the Bible says in all things teenagers really like it when you say that um, they enjoy that uh, it doesn't say in some things what pleases you what's comfortable to you let me say this, and, and, and I don't know, I may get into something here in a minute. Uh, we may just talk. I, I don't know. I'm trying to mind the Lord. Um, I don't care what age you are. I don't care how big of a business owner you may be. I don't care how wealthy you are. Somebody, somewhere, sometime is going to tell you what to do, whether you like it or not. That never goes away. Um, I work for a guy, he's sole owner of Funeral Home and Monument Shop. He owns them both. And yet, there's still people that tells him what to do. You say, well, who? Well, for one, the IRS. Uh, the laws of the state of West Virginia. The laws of Lincoln County. His wife. Uh, I figured a few more husbands or wives would amen there. Um, the point I'm making is, most of all, God is going to tell you what to do to the day you leave here. And he's the one we need to please. Um, he is who this is about, whether we realize that or not. Um, turn with me to... Lord, I'm trying. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 45. This story is mentioned in all three of the Gospels, I believe. And it's one of the very few that are. I mean, all four, I'm sorry. All four of the Gospels, not three. Uh, I hope I'm where God wants me. Uh, you pray for me. Uh, I'm trying to be. Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 45. Or Mark, I'm sorry. Maybe I ought to go back to Colossians and stay there, right? Mark's Gospel, Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 45. Is everybody there? Let me hurry up and read this before I get you confused. And straightway he constraineth his disciples to get into the ship and to go into the other side before him into Bethsaida. Why he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. When evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. 
But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up into the uh, up unto them and to the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Notice this next verse. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. And when they had passed over they came into the land of Gesenaret and drew to the shore. When they were come out of the ship straightway they knew him and he ran through about uh, he ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick uh, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that he might, they might touch, if it were but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. Father, we thank you again for this time together. God, as you well know, Lord, this morning, Father, there's so many here that's different things going on in their lives, God, as well as ours. God, I don't know what people's hearts needs to hear because I'm not you. I don't see their hearts. God, I barely see mine, certainly in the light that you do. Lord, I'm asking this morning, Holy Spirit, to speak through me. I'm dependent entirely upon you right now. I always want to, no matter how well prepared I might think I am. Lord, this is your business. This is your work. It's not mine. And I need you. I need you to speak to hearts this morning, Lord, as you see fit. And God, touch the altar call. Let people not be afraid to come to the altar and pray or say there's no use. God, let us get past any uh, thoughts, God, that may prevent people from coming and doing business with you. And we love you and we praise you. And Holy Spirit, I need you this morning. In your name I pray, amen. Now I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, as we were singing, you may have saw me there. I wasn't texting. I wasn't looking up scores, any games. Um, wasn't checking my deer cam because it's not out yet. But I was looking for words on a thesaurus because I, I like to try to have a, an outline that kind of flows and helps it easy if you remember, but it, we're not going to have that this morning. We're just going to preach. Um, we're just going to have to go through this. And, and Years ago, when I first started preaching for a long time, I didn't worry about how so much it flowed or went. I just preached what I felt like the Scripture said. I still try to do that, but I try to illustrate some and uh, be a little bit that way. But anyway... This story that we read, I preached my first message from this story in the book of Matthew. Now Matthew tells us about how Peter uh, said, Lord, if it's, if it's you, if it's really you, bid me to come unto you on the water. Let me come unto you. And Jesus said, come. As you all know, Peter started walking on the water. Uh, he got uh, next to the Lord. The wind picked up. And that's when Peter took his eyes off the Lord. He began to sink. And somebody else pointed out something I thought was very uh, thought-provoking in that particular story. And we do this so much of the time. Uh, we work, we strive, uh, we, we do everything we can to get to God. We feel like when we finally get to Jesus, it's almost like we relax a little bit too much. We take our eyes off of him, and then we put our eyes back on whatever it is. Maybe us, maybe the storm, maybe our sins, maybe our flaws, maybe our fears, whatever it may be, and that's when we sink. 
when we finally get to where we need to be is when we take our eyes off of him. I don't know if it's because of disappointment. I don't know if it's because of fear. Uh, my theory, uh, theological theory is it's because we are weak in flesh and we get too much uh, confidence in us. Uh, we, we, we get to the place where we think, well, I've got it now. I've got this defeated. I've got this beat. And we get too much confidence and we begin to sink. Now, let me say a couple of things and I'm going to try to get into this and point some things out to you with Lord's help. Uh, and, I, and I try to preach this some, maybe not very well, maybe not as much as I should or like I should. I like to do a better job. But I'm learning more and more in my life anyway that, and I know we say this, as long as we live in this flesh, you and I must be vigilant daily to keep our minds in the word of God on Jesus. It's not enough to every now and then you can't live today on yesterday's blessings. Uh, yes, you might enjoy them. Yes, you can look back on them. Yes, they might carry you a little bit and all these things. But church, you and I must realize we must get in the presence of God as much as we can every day. Now in saying that, that doesn't mean every time you pray and read your Bible, heaven's gonna fall. Angels ain't gonna come down. You're not gonna sup with the Lord. It's not, it's not gonna be like that all the time. Uh, it's just not for different reasons. But occasionally those times will come and they will happen. But you and I must understand God never takes his eyes off us, but we sure do him. Now in this story, notice some things that, uh, that we can see in this and pick up from and apply to our life. He said in straight way he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go into the other side before Basidia while he sent away the people. Now realize they did just exactly what Jesus told them to do. When I read this, I'm not trying to put things in the Bible that's not there, but it said he constrained his disciples. If you look up the word constrained, that basically means almost force. So there had to be something there, some resistance from them, I believe, or he would not have constrained them. It's one thing to look at somebody and say, uh, Greg, stand up. and You don't have to. And... Uh, you know, he just automatically stand up. It's another thing to say, Greg, get up. And Greg doesn't get up. Finally, I say, Stephanie, drive your elbow into his ribs and make that boy move. And therefore, and I know he would move. Let me see it real quick. Try it. No. Um, and, you know, so uh, there's things like that, that that sometimes God has to push us along a little bit. Uh, and it, 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 But when he asks us to do something, there's a reason. And you and I don't know what's ahead when he asks us to do something. So much of the time in our minds, and I think Satan helps this, he asks us to do something and we know we're doing something for, for God and as we get into it, it doesn't take long for the storms to arise, for the doubts to come and then we start questioning, or did God tell me to do this? Am I the will of God? Folks, let me assure you, if you're gonna do anything for Jesus, there's uncertainty and doubt and fears and storms coming. They're just around the corner. And so, and, he, and to go into uh, the other side before him to besiege him while he sent away the people. So I kind of figure, he said, hey boys, y'all get in this boat, head to the other side. And he told him to go to the other side. I know we say this a lot, but you and I struggle with this. Jesus told them to go to the other side. That means he, in his mind, as far as Jesus was concerned, they were already there. 
it wasn't like they weren't going to make it. But they did just exactly what he asked them to do and told them to do. Then they got into awful storm that ever was. And he sent, a, sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Let me pause here for a minute. Sometimes you and I need to get apart somewhere and pray. That means you, if you've got to go into a closet in your house, if you've got to get in your vehicle and drive, if you've got to walk up on the hill, whatever the case may be, you need to go somewhere, some way, somehow, apart from everything and everyone and pray. We need to spend time there from time to time. We need to take moments and spend time with God. You say, preacher, praying is hard and it's boring. It is at times, yes. But let me try to pause here just for a second. You know one of the reasons why the Bible and prayer is boring to some Christians? Because they've never invested in it. You've never taken the time to get to know the author like you should. You know, one of the things that I've learned in life, some things that I've learned to do was not easy. Um, it took time, it took effort, it took work. And once I learned how, it became more interesting, it became easier. Once I finally got started to get the hang of certain things. Uh, learning how to uh, TIG or heliarch well, and I know most of you don't know what that is, have no clue, it's okay, I do. So it's my illustration. But it took a lot of practice and time, it took much more effort in that to learn in some ways than it did stick rod. But yet, I stayed with it because my job depended on it. My job now depends on how much time I spend in this. <laughs> but the thing is, church, there's a storm coming in your life and some of you are there now and when a storm comes, it's not the time to learn how to read your Bible and pray. We should already know that. We should be familiar enough with the author. Already have some practice. And when he had sent them away, he departed to a mountain to pray. You know, something else I find interesting in this. He sent them away. Apparently, Jesus was okay to send these people away. He felt like they were going to be all right. And he sent the disciples. So when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, would have passed by them. Now let me pause here just for a second and explain a couple things to you. The fourth watch of the night, I don't know if you know this or not, but for those of you that don't, the darkest part of the night is from about four o'clock to dawn. That is about the time this was, maybe three. And I'm going to tell you something, the coldest part of the night is right before it gets daylight. Do you say, you sure about that? Yes, because I've worked night shift in the winter. Outside. 12 hours. It was daylight when I went to work and it was daylight when I went home. Anyway. But notice what happened here. They got in the storm and in the darkest part of the night and if you're in a storm, what's usually not out? Moon and the stars. So there's not a lot of light. I've always wondered how did they seem? This is the darkest part of the night. This isn't, they didn't have, hey, uh, Magalites weren't invented yet. 
I don't think Carbide was around. I don't know how they saw I know how they saw him because Jesus glows everywhere he goes. That's how they saw him. And if you'll invite him in your life and spend time apart alone with him, he will glow in your life. And here he came, and the Bible says he was just going to walk right on by them. Doesn't that seem kind of cruel? It's like he was just going to say, hey, do your best. I'll see you guys later. And I've often I've thought about this. I thought, how far out of the, in the sea had they made it for, before he caught them? Was he at a jogging pace? Was he at a walk? It just says he came walking. Have you ever wondered how fast he was going? For whatever it's worth, he could have went exactly where they were at any time he wanted to, but he was still human. And here he came by. There's times in our life when you've done what God has told you to do, the best you know how and can do, and the storm is raging, it'll feel like he's going to walk right on by you. It'll feel like he's passed you right by and went to somebody else. There's times that I felt like Jesus has passed right on by me and took care of somebody else's problem while I was sitting there still rowing and fighting the waves. Saying, Lord, don't you see the boat's fixing to go down? But the thing is, he's on the boat. He's in the boat with you. He never took his eyes off them because the Bible says he saw them toiling in the sea. I wonder if that's why he went to them and why he told them to go on and why he stopped to take some time to pray for himself, with himself, with the Father, because he knew what they were getting ready to get into. He, his eyes never left them. You know, my wife can leave here. We can drive in two separate vehicles, and sometimes we do for different reasons. She can go one way, and I can go the other. The minute she pulls out from the bottom of this driveway, church driveway, I'm no longer seeing her until we get home. And I don't know what could happen. A thousand things could happen between here and Cobbs Creek. And when she pulls in with our kids, I'll be honest with you, I take a sigh of relief. I do. But Jesus never took his eyes off him. That means his eyes are never off of you, no matter how alone or how dark or how big the storm is, it may feel. He's with you. And as he comes walking by, they cried out to him. And Peter, as you know, said, Lord, if it be, me, be you, let me come to you. You know, sometimes you've got to have a testing faith to make sure God is in this thing. Sometimes you need to cry out to him and say, Lord, I'm, a, I'm not smart. Hey, you think I, I do this, folks. Whether you want to admit this or not, all of us are broken. All of us sometimes are struggling to get through this thing, whether you want to realize that or not. And the minute you think you're not, you're fixing to find out you are. All of us have flaws. All of us have faults. All of us have sins. Don't look at me like you think you don't because you do. Do you want me to start pointing some out to you? When's the last time you've had any thought go through your mind it wasn't a faith? That covers a lot of things, doesn't it? To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That pretty much doesn't leave anything out right there. Have you had a bad thought about somebody? Did you say it? Did you doubt God? You just sinned. Now, those are just simple ones. I could get into more detail if you'd like for me to, but we'll move on because that's not this kind of message this morning. All of us are flawed. 
And God knows that. The problem is, me included, sometimes we don't want to do enough to fix the flaw. We want to do enough just to band-aid it. Just to get by. Rather than fixing it. Sometimes we got to cut the snake's head off rather than try to hold it by the head. Now, I don't know where that come from. That was all from God because that was nowhere near this message. I watched a YouTube video a day or two ago. I like the short ones, like the two or three minute ones because my attention span don't last long enough very often to watch the 10, 15 minute ones. I think most of them go on too much nonsense. Just get to the point. That's what I'm trying to do. He pulled that rattlesnake out, took it over to milk it. By the time he got ready to milk it, guess what? He got milked. It drilled him. He put it back in the, in the box that had it in. That girl helping him took that lid and slid over it, and he took off running. You play with sin in any way, shape, or form in the smallest amounts, it will bite you. It's going to bite you every time. You might get by with it a couple times or think you are, but you're not. You see, Peter did just enough to reach Jesus. He didn't do enough to, to get to him. Let me reword that. He did enough to get to him, but not enough to reach out and touch him. I got to touch somebody. Too much of the time, you and I get in storms. We have this happen. We need that answer. We need this prayer request done. We need help with this sin, with this problem, with this situation, whatever it may be. And we do just enough to get to Jesus. And then we stop. We say, it's okay, God. I can take her from here. Now, I like to think of stories like this. Forgive me. But I wonder what would have happened when Jesus come walking by and they saw him and they thought it was a ghost. It's They were scared. You and I get scared a lot of times in our Christian life. Sometimes I do. I'll be honest with you. And that's when a lot of times I just got to look up and say, I'm going to heaven one day. I don't know when. I don't know what I'm going to go through till I get there. But one day, I'll never ever, ever have another heartache, another worry, another fear, another disappointment, another letdown, another I'm sorry again, God. Lord, for the upteenth, ten thousandth time for the same thing, I'm sorry. I'll never have to utter those words again. Be gone. Won't that be a joyous day? You know, one of the things about heaven that's going to be great too, I don't have to worry about loved ones. My heart breaks for those that are lost but I'll never worry about another one. But in that storm, or in that need, when Jesus comes walking by and you call on Him, notice the response here that Mark gives. He says, Be of good cheer, it is I, not afraid. And He went up into them and to the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. Notice this next verse. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart 
was hardened. Now for those of you that's not 100% familiar with this, and I understand what the Bible's referring to is when he fed the 5,000 men and plus women and children with, with two fishes and five loaves of bread. I've often thought about that crowd as they were sitting there, and here come Matthew come by with a basket, and here sits this row of people, and you think, well, world get anything. Matthew, they take all they want out of the basket and he comes back to you and you take all, and I mean, could you imagine seeing that take place? The more they take out of the basket, the more God put in it. <laughs> the more you let God take out of you, the more he'll put in. But you gotta let him. You gotta let him get this world out of you. No matter how hard it is, no matter what decisions you gotta make, no matter what you gotta do. The reason we find prayer and reading our Bible struggles and boring is because we're not invested in it. This flesh does not like prayer and reading the Bible. It fears it. It gets scared. And it wants to push Jesus away. Imagine when he got in the boat and they said, well, you're here now. We don't need you now. We got her from here. The wind ceased. That's exactly what we do. That's just exactly what we do. Too much of the time. Me included. We must. Some things you got to do. Number one, you keep rowing till you sing. Don't you quit rowing. Eventually he's coming. No matter how dark the night gets, no matter how bad the storm arises, he's coming. And you know, never lose faith because the Bible, I just told you, the Bible says anything that is not of faith is a... So when we lose faith in God loving you, taking care of you, helping you, seeing you through situations that you see no end in, helping you through problems that you see no fix in, and you're talking about between a rock and a hard place, sometimes I feel like I'm under the rock. And it's falling. He still sees you. And if you lose faith, then that turns to sin. So keep trusting no matter how hard it gets. No matter how dark the night. No matter how bad the storm. We just need to say, Lord, I trust you. The first time I preached this, and I'm almost done. First message ever preached was from Matthew. I titled it, God the Weatherman. And I said, God is in control of the storms of your life. He's in full control of it. He's never lost control. He's never lost sight of you. You haven't sunk. And if you're born again, you're not going to sink. You can't. He's on the boat with you. Do you realize you're sealed to the day of redemption? When you're born again, God, Holy Spirit seals you. You're one of His. He bought you with a price. He owns you. Do you think He's going to pay that much for you and let you drown? Hey, there's certain things I paid a lot of money for. I'm not going to throw it out in the water just in the weather instead of sit there and rot away. God paid too much for you to allow that to happen. He's invested too much in you to let you just wilt away, to let you drown, to let you fall, to let you go under. Hey, He's got you. Get a hold of Him and realize He is not letting go. He's not turning loose. Too much of the time, we see God do something in our lives. 
and we don't hold on to it and our hearts get hardened. And then when we need him, our hearts are hard. I'm going to give you a Craig thought. I wonder if they thought it was an evil spirit because their hearts were hardened. Now let's go back to a couple thoughts. And I'm, 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 I got the landing gear down. We've, we've throttled back. We're coming into the runway. For those of you that's never landed a plane, I hope you get to land a little puddle jumper one time when the wind's blowing about 80 mile an hour because I'll tell you, it is interesting. They saw the miracle of the loaves. They saw how that they just kept carrying those baskets and they just, food just, just I mean, it just wouldn't run out. Somebody took five handfuls of fish and, and three loaves and they turned and looked and there's more than that still in the basket and, and everybody ate. But it didn't take long to forget that miracle. I say he could do it back there but he can't do it today. Why not? He's the same God. I'm going to tell you something. Some of your storms and miracles we want to see happen is not going to happen because it's not the will of God. Instead of saying, God, change it, how about saying, God, change my will? You say, why me, preacher? I don't know. Why not you? Why would you want to wish your problems on somebody else? They got their own problems. Too much of the time, me included, we harden our heart. Just about the time we can reach out and touch Jesus, we'll look around, the devil kicks up dust, carries on. We pay more attention to him than we do God. And we look at us and we start to sink. And Lord, save me. Jesus reached down his hand and grabbed Peter by the hand and picked him up. And the Bible tells us that immediately they were in the ship. The wind ceased. One of the accounts, I don't remember if it's Luke or John, when Jesus got into the ship, immediately they were on the other side. Instantaneously. Now the storm stopped, the wind ceased, and they were on land. You know where the biggest storms in life, in your life, are at? That can be ceased immediately? Here and here. This is where the biggest storms take place. Here and here. A lot of times we think of things as, as awful and, oh man, we're, going to, we're not going to make it through this. Do you think God is going to let you drown now? I'm not telling you a sob story. Our deep freeze blowed up. Our washing machine blowed up. Our clothes washer has been acting up. Uh, the tires are going down on my truck. And last night, Amber cut the toaster oven, put some stuff in it, turned it on, and the little red bars didn't turn red. And she said, what else can go wrong? I said, thank God eventually we'll be in heaven and nothing will go wrong. I said, it's just the devil fighting. That's all it is. Let him kick up dust. I don't want to challenge him, but don't you challenge him. You'll lose miserably.
But I know somebody who can challenge him. And when he comes knocking on my door, that's when I say, Jesus, you need to answer the door. You answer the door. He ain't, he ain't afraid of me, but he's afraid of you. He'll honor and obey you. So much of the time, we get in those storms. And just about the time we're to him, just about the time we're ready to get real victory sometimes, we take our eyes off of him. The storm kicks back up. And you know where most of the storm, where the storm is really at? It's here and here. We get just a little bit careless. Next thing you know, you're in a mess. I know some of you need real help in life. I know you're in a situation you don't have any answers. Sometimes it don't seem like God's going to come through with one. I know some of you need real deliverance, real help. Sometimes it seems like God's not giving it. He is giving it. The problem is we don't go to where we, we're not willing to do what it takes to get the help. There's some things in life, me included, we got to cut some things off in our life. We have to learn to get in the Bible and in prayer alone with just you and God. You say, preacher, I don't have a time or place to do that. I don't have much time. Sometimes I don't have the place, but I'll find somewhere in my house or outside something. Sometimes if it's just five minutes, I'll just cry out to him for just a few minutes. Say, God, I need you. I need you. But we must, we must learn what this Bible says. I want to ask you, I'm, and I'm done right here, two questions. I want to challenge you to do two things as a church. We always say we want to see revival, real, real revival, real move of God, want to see people say their loved ones saved, but our actions usually doesn't match our words. And you know it, and I know it. I wonder how many would be willing for the next month to promise God that you would read Proverbs every day. That day. Today is the 10th between now and midnight you read the 10th chapter of Proverbs. Tomorrow you read the 11th chapter of Proverbs. And we apply ourselves to some scripture memory and say, I'm going to take time every day if it's just five minutes. And I'm going to set it, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do my best to just set aside whatever I can to stop, put all distractions out and just stop and say, God, I want to pray. I just want to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for God's power. Pray for forgiveness. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor's wife. Pray for your deacon, his wife. Pray for healing for people in this church. Pray for our leaders. Pray for Israel. Pray for the lost. Pray for people, uh, in, or your children in school. Give me, I mean, folks, I can give you a whole lot of stuff to pray about. There's not a shortage. There's not a shortage. Problem is our flesh and Satan. Father, we thank you again for this time together. And God, I, I pray I've obeyed you. Lord, I've tried.
God, you certainly spoke to my heart. You broke my heart. God, nobody knows like you and I where I'm at in my life. Lord, in this position, I know I must keep myself totally unspotted from the world. You tell that of all Christians, not just me. And I know that I must be a leader and an example. And God, you know better than anyone where I'm at in my life. And God, I want to become more like you. I don't want to take my eyes off of you when I finally get to you and start to sink. I don't want to do that, Lord. I don't want my faith to fail. As you told Peter, Satan's desire to have you may shift you as wheat. So when thou art converted, I pray that thy faith fail not. Lord, help our faith not to fail. Help us all, God, to challenge ourselves and let you challenge us, God, to spend more time with you. Lord, we love you and we need you. Lord, we need miracles. We need hope. We need help. We got all that we need in you. Help us now, God, I pray. Let people have courage to come to this altar and do business with you this morning as they see fit. God, I pray that you speak to hearts. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. I don't know.